Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 83 Germain the Troglodyte Cartographer. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests the Dungeons and Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Jonathan Blevins' table in the Levitating Platter. and welcome to another exciting episode of Sidekicks and Sidequests, the best unofficial Dungeons and Dragons podcast in my humbly biased opinion. Before I introduce my guest, I'd like to give a shout out to my first sponsor, Plus One EXP. Tony Vicinda is the mastermind behind his mastercraft of beard bombs, game design, and community building. He's got beard bombs named after all the basic stats from D&D, so get a can Apply it to your face and smell the sweet aroma and the sweet victory that comes along with increased strength, dexterity, charisma, and more. Beards and Beyond is the indie RPG that helped to launch this brand, but Tony's collaborated and developed several other projects, including Repugnant, Eye Toaster, Down We Go, Through the Void, Vamp Nugula, and Brand Standing. If you support Plus One EXP either by buying something on the website or going to tonyplus1.itch.io, it all helps funnel into the Plus One Forward program, which seeks to support additional indie tabletop content creators to continue making awesome stuff. I'd highly encourage you to follow Tony and Plus One EXP on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, in order to keep up with all the various projects that are being worked on, as well as upcoming interviews, one-shots, and actual plays of some of these other games. And please, if you don't mind, go to plus1exp.com, and when you see that box for the affiliate code, type in Randolph when you're buying a Beard Bomb or Beard RPG in order to get some savings on your purchase at no extra cost to you. Again, that code is Randolph on the website, plus1exp.com. Hello, mystery guest. How are you doing today? Would you care to introduce yourself to our podcast audience? Tell us who it is that you are and what is it that you do? Well, it's great to be here. I am Jonathan Bearded Blevins. Uh, <laughs> I uh, am uh, married with uh, three kids. Uh, I just started a, a company called Little Flower Media uh, about seven months ago, October 2021, uh, trying to use new media to bring light into the often dark places of the internet using new media platforms like social media and Twitch. Yeah. And speaking of Twitch, you, you kind of have some uh, famous siblings, as it were. Am I correct in, in this understanding? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's actually Tyler, uh, a.k.a. Ninja, uh, one of the biggest streamers in the world, kind of launched the platform, uh, kind of put streaming and video gaming on the map uh, worldwide. Obviously, it was already a big thing, uh, but to, to make Twitch really more known. Uh, he's my little brother, and he's the reason uh, he inspired me to start this, my company. 
uh, into and encouraged me myself to start streaming. So I started streaming about four years ago on Twitch and then launched the business seven months ago after about 15 years of Catholic parish ministry. That's awesome. I was just re-watching some uh, stuff that you had the opportunity to participate in recently online on YouTube. I know you were on the uh, the God and Gaming YouTube show that uh, the Word on Fire Institute put out. And then recently there's been a collaboration between uh, Word on Fire and Max Studios with University of St. Thomas. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. And man, what a great partnership. University of St. Thomas and, and Houston is, pro in my opinion, my biased opinion. <laughs> uh, I've been working for that with them for six months. Uh, they are just leading Catholic innovation uh, with evangelization right now, uh, using digital media and new media. And that partnership with Word on Fire and with the videos that we were able to do with other social media, I hate using the word influencers, but other social media Catholic influencers has been a really cool uh, way to try to inspire others to bring the gospel online. Well, this podcast, you know, the subject of it is Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, and so we like to ask the question of, do you currently or have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons before? Is it something that you're readily familiar with? It is not. It's something that I admit in high school I made fun of, uh, maybe even in college and maybe even five years ago. And then streaming on Twitch, uh, I'm not I'm really not much of a, a video gamer. I enjoy video games, but I'm not. I'd probably do myself a disservice when I say this because I really do. I like a lot of RPGs. Uh, and maybe we can get into that in just a little bit, but yeah, I'm like, I play Fortnite right now and Madden. Right. And, and I love, uh, I love sports. And, and so I always roasted my friends who, who played uh, Dungeons and Dragons. And then recently from streaming, I've been invited. Uh, I've met a lot of really cool people who are, I consider some of my very best friends. I've gotten to meet them in real life as well. And they play every week and they're like, John, you would love it. You have to do it. It's just storytelling. You love stories. And I'm like, oh, I'm not. So I'm more open now than I ever have been but I've never played before. And I still am unfamiliar kind of with how it works. Although I want one last note. Mm -hmm. I saw community and yeah. the community. I don't know if you've seen the show community. Yes. Yes. That show, early on in the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And that show made me really open to it as well because it, it was hilarious and they were seeming to have a lot of fun with it. Harmon is the uh, co-creator I think of that show. Um, he also has done his own Dungeons and Dragons show. It's called Harmon Quest. It was kind of like Ooh. on one of those offshoot media things, but they kind of use an older edition of D&D &D because it's the dungeon master who's literally rolling everybody else's dice. But it's like comedians all sitting around a table and they're like telling these, you know, ridiculous stories. Professional grade A comedians could uh, bust out on the fly with their top notch improv skills and stuff. That is hilarious. Were, yeah, I feel like I'm a decent storyteller, but that would probably put me to shame. I was going to say, you know, with you already being on Twitch and everything like that, are you familiar with uh, the D&D &D community that is just ever present on the platform of Twitch itself? A little bit more now, even in the last few weeks, I, I was just on the Bearded Nerd podcast. I don't know if you know that guy. He's a Catholic dude uh, who does some stuff with uh, with D&D &D as well. And so he recommended some people to check out. So I've been watching a couple of streams on there, but still very unfamiliar I don't, part of me feels like all I would do is try to kill everything at all times. And I feel like that's what most people who are experts at D&D hate characters like me. Mm. Yeah, I think that, you know, the term shoots rocket that. launcher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the term is murder hobo that we would use in a D&D &D because like you don't have a character backstory and you just want to kill everything, which is fine. You know, a good dungeon master can kind of roll with that and then just present the logical consequences of your actions when suddenly... <laughs> No shopkeepers want to sell you anything. Everyone gives you the cold shoulder and suddenly you're not really welcome anywhere. See, okay, this is fun. I think that would be funny. 
Okay. All right. Well, I mean, if that's the game you agree to play, then yeah, you'll just have to deal with those kind of ramifications. <laughs> the biggest D&D show that is on Twitch um, is Critical Role. If you've never heard of that one before, that's, of course, professional voice actors. They've been doing their show on Twitch for years now at this point. They're in their third campaign. So if you want to call it like a season. So yeah, yeah. It's a very intricate story and even elements of this story harken back to their original game that they started with their very first campaign they did when they started broadcasting it live for the world to see and stuff so um, that's but cool. of course you know there's you know they're probably one of the biggest ones but of course there's all kinds of cool actual plays they call them stories that much like video gamers who stream on twitch and then you know people tune in to watch people play games it's kind of like the same thing with D. You can invite people in to kind of watch your uh, group of heroes of characters around a table, maybe in physical space or in virtual space. Audience members kind of watching in and, you know, getting hooked on the story like a pulp adventure radio play. Yeah, that's very cool. Of course, this podcast is called Sidekicks and Sidequests. So we always like to ask the question of who's your favorite NPC, uh, whether they're from an RPG, a video game, or if maybe you have a particular sidekick character from literature history film or television etc and why is this character your favorite i love this question and i didn't know which way i was going to go video games or or literature uh but one of my very favorite games ever is final fantasy 9 mm. uh i loved it uh, i i've really only played i played final fantasy 7 9 and then a game called legend of lagaya which is my all-time favorite game i don't know if you're familiar with those it. It four discs mm. playstation <laughs> One of the best RPGs ever. My brother calls it his favorite game as well. Um, but FF9 was the the game that got me into RPGs. I never thought I could be interested in care at all. And then maybe the same way I do about some of my favorite characters from Lord of the Rings. But a guy named Adelbert Steiner. Do, do you, are you familiar with FF9? I am totally unfamiliar with Final Fantasy as a franchise. I maybe bought I feel like you would 15. love it. I bought 15, I think, for my wife as a present. That's the one where you're on the car and you're on the desert highway and stuff like that. Okay. But that's about the only one I know. But otherwise, I know it's a JRPG, so it follows the standard formulas of how Japanese role-playing games yeah. are kind of developed. And it was so good. And it's like the first time I ever cared about a bunch of different characters in a game. And Steiner is like this knight who is trying to protect everyone, but definitely trying to protect the princess. And he never seems to, he seems to do a good job of protecting her, but never gets to uh, do all the things he necessarily wants to do in the video game. But he still always does what he's supposed to do. Uh, and, and I just love it. And I'm watching the Vikings show right now, uh, The Last Kingdom, and it makes me really just appreciate knights in general hmm. a little bit more. But he was he was my favorite character, either him or this character called Quinna, who's just kind of like this very large, long tongued, like alien looking creature who's just kind of funny in the video game. But those are my two favorites. And then along with that, we like to ask, what's been one of your favorite side quests, whether it's from an RPG, a video game, literature, film, television, et cetera? And why has it been one of your favorite side quests? Yeah, and uh, so I'm going to use the same game, uh, Final Fantasy IX. This is the, one of the only games I ever played that I actually did the side quest. Because mm. I'm the guy, I was, when I was growing up, I was the guy who just wanted to beat the game. Mm. I want to beat the game. I don't care about the side quests. And my brothers are both like all into the side quests. They could play games forever and ever and ever. But for Final Fantasy IX, I did the side quests, all of them. And there was one called Excalibur Two. Um, and the reason I did it was because you could, it was a challenge. And it's the reason I play a game is that I love, I'm competitive. I love, I love sports. 
Um, I love video. I like battle royales because it's, there's a one winner at the end. Um, and in this particular side quest, uh, you have to get all the way to Hades in under 12 hours uh, without doing any other side quests. And so it's this competition of you have to like just sprint across the map, dodge all these other fights, get to a, a place at the end. And in order to collect uh, you know, what I don't even remember, what, I think you collected like an ultimate weapon uh, in order to do it. And it was I failed. I got like I only tried it three times because I was a kid. My parents only play video games for 12 hours. Right. Uh, you could take breaks back then, I think, because the disc would remember where you were. Mm. Uh, man, remember mem- memory cards? I do. But of course, you know, my wow. father had a personal vendetta against the Sony Corporation. So we never actually <laughs> had any uh, PlayStation devices in our household. Maybe my cousins did, but we were strictly growing up a Nintendo household. So that was about as advanced as we really got, uh, you know, before I went off to college and, you know, bought my own Xbox and stuff. For like sure. That. And by that time, yeah, I had the memory in there. So I, yeah, I, I, did, I guess I didn't have to play 12 hours straight because of the memory cards. But uh, I just remember being short, like getting it in 13 hours every single time. And finally, the time that I got to that, I did it. I was the only one in my family that got the cool weapon. So wow. love that side quest. And then rounding out the personal interview section, what are you passionate about and why? I like this question. I have a million answers. My go-to is the Detroit Lions, but I'm not going to use that answer because <laughs> uh, I'm a glutton for punishment. I like the Lions. Uh, my I, my passion is people. I have not met a person that I can't get along with uh, and find the good in. I love learning about who, who people are and the things that they love and, and the things that motivate them uh, and love to be able to just listen to people and be in community and, and to share stories and to listen to stories. I, I love that. Uh, I'm, I'm wildly extroverted. So my wife and I used to do these hospitality nights every week where we would just invite, we just said our house is open on Thursday nights for dinner and like 40 to 50 people a week would be showing up for dinner uh, with their kids and stuff. And I just love that being around people and trying to love people uh, and help out in any way that I possibly can. So that, I think that's what I'm passionate about, community and people. Wow, that just sounds intense. Like, oh, yeah, just come on over. And then, you know, 40 or 50 people later, and it's like, oh, hey, I'm just going to go run to the store and get some more ice. Yeah, or that's whatever. exactly how it went for the, like, the, we expected it to be like a once a month thing. People, like, we just were saying, our house is open on Thursday nights. We want it to be the place where if you're having a hard day, you know, the Blevins house is open on Thursdays. The first week we did it, we had like 25 or 26 different couples show up. I, I made dinner for like four. <laughs> so I was like, gotta I go think, to the store. Hey, I'm going to go run to the drive-thru real quick. I think I'm yeah. going to need to get like 30 burgers. Yeah. So. And I was working for the church. My wife was staying home with our kids. I was like, I don't, I can't feed this many people, but God provided somehow. We just kept having it every week and it ended up being one of the coolest things we ever did. We'll, we'll probably start it up again here soon. Well, we've had a wonderful opportunity to learn more about my guest. And now I think it's time to head into a segment that I like to call NPC creation. NPC Creation is brought to you by you, the podcast audience, and our patrons on Patreon. So now is the time where we give a shout out to our comfortable patrons and above with a loud hurrah. So to you, Katie Downey, aka Goblin Katie, we say cheers. Again, this is for patrons who donate $2 or more a month. Katie is actually our highest tier wealthy patron, $4 a month. So that means she's able to introduce an element of chance to our random tables here at NPC Creation. 
so we might get to use these here today. If you want to learn more and join the cheapest podcast Patreon community, please check the show notes below, go to my website, or go directly to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests to find out more about our three tiers and help us expand our operations at the Levitating Platter in this demiplane and worlds beyond. All right. So this is the part of the show where we get to make up a character. And we kind of have a couple of different ways we can go about it. If you have like an idea that you kind of want to flesh out and have me help you work through the questions, uh, we have random tables. So whether you have physical dice or you want to pull up a website that'll allow you to roll virtual dice, we could randomly generate a character and then kind of discover and formulate the story Uh, or a combination of both. It's up to you. What What are you interested in making today here in NPC creation? What's more fun? Honestly, I will tell you that more times than not, people who just come in with no expectations, they roll the dice randomly, and they're just told what the thing is, and then they're like, okay, I have to sit here and think, like, how do I make this into a coherent, interesting character? And I think the spirit guides it too, because there have been times on the show where I'm like, oh man, where's like the punch come for this character? And then just the dice rolls where it will, and then we're like, oh my gosh, yes, that makes this character perfect, so... You know, okay, so let's do that. Let's do let's let's roll the dice. Whether you have physical dice or you can pull up a website real quick, I think Google will let you just roll dice or plenty of websites that'll let you do it. Just a standard array, um, which if you're going to be playing D&D soon, this will be a quick way to learn about all the different kinds of dice that we use in the game. So the first thing we have to ask ourselves, what is going to be our character's name? And we determine this by rolling a 20-sided dice or a D20. So if you want okay. to... Give that a roll. Let me know what you get. I just did, and it's 14. 14. Okay. Your name was provided by previous guest, Brady Effler, Germain. So kind of like- No uh, way. Germain, like from Flight of the Concords. Yeah. Yes. Germain. Jenny. Yeah. I just said hi. Woman's <laughs> in the park. Awesome. I know every song. All right. Next question. What is the ancestry of our character? Like, are they going to be a human, an elf, a dwarf, etc.? If you want to roll 2d10s or a d100, that will determine what is the ancestry of our particular Jemaine. Okay. I'm going to do the 100. 78. 78. As I scroll down the list. Oh, Jemaine is a troglodyte. What is a troglodyte? Well, if memory serves me, uh, because I believe there's been only one other troglodyte made on this podcast, troglodytes, often referred to as stink meat by the Dwargar, dark dwarves, were cave-dwelling reptilian humanoids with a barbaric culture centered around food and scent. The stench of an angry or frightened troglodyte was so foul that it sickened all living creatures nearby, even after the troglodyte had died. So I like to think of them as like, underground reptilian humanoids. That's what one source says the lore is, but the beauty of Dungeons and Dragons is that uh, you can kind of take it or leave it or just kind of make up your own thing. So Jermaine doesn't have to necessarily fit that kind of mold. Jermaine could be completely different. A troglodyte Viking. Could be. And, you know, if we want to determine what that job or role in society is going to be, why don't you go ahead and just roll a regular 10-sided dice? and see what kind of job Jermaine has in society, whether it's an underground, underdark society, or maybe they live on the surface world. He's a one. One. Okay, so this answer was provided by previous guest Harper Hayes, cartographer. So Jermaine, the troglodyte, makes maps for a living. 
which I mean, there's an advantage to being underground for that, but True, definitely yeah. you have to go above ground as well. True. Right. Um, right. Could have very extensive maps of the Underdark, as they like to call it, subterranean realm of the D&D world. Jermaine, okay. the troglodyte cartographer. And then the last thing we're going to roll before we take a pause on the dice rolling for a bit is we need to figure out how old the character is. If you want to roll an eight-sided dice, that will kind of give us the age range category. A six. Elder. So six is elder. So kind of a little has been around for a while. So yeah, so we got Jermaine, Troglodyte, Cartographer, Elder. So now the question is, describe the physical appearance of Jermaine. When you think of Jermaine, what do you imagine? What do you visualize? All right. I am seeing like a, can I, can I describe it to something, a different type of character that I'm familiar with? I'm seeing for alligator from okay. Pokemon Go, from Pokemon. Uh, so like he's got, he's massive, mm-hmm. got a long tail, but he's green, not blue. Okay. And he's got like a, like a long Mr. Miyagi type beard. And for some weird reason, he's wearing uh He's wearing sunglasses. Okay. Maybe, it's, maybe because he lives underground, he's sensitive to the light. Oh, okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, and, and he's advanced in years, I suppose. And he's advanced in years. And he's got a cane as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does yeah. Uh, Jermaine adopt any clothing or? No, or- Jermaine is completely, Jermaine is, a, he's like lizard naked. He looks so rugged mm-hmm. that, that everyone trusts him, even though he's naked, because he uh, has clearly been around. So just you know? natural troglodyte, you know, is confident in his abilities as a map maker. No one ever questions yep. him or doubts but he has a beard, his... but he has a long, thin beard. Oh, okay. I see. Which, which adds to the wisdom. And then he's got the, the sunglasses as well. Okay. You're, you're picturing this, aren't you? <laughs> I might be, I might be butchering this completely, but this is a blast. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. That's, that's fine. Um, and you were describing the colors that if I think if I remember uh, the last time that I read up on troglodytes, I think they have the ability to kind of shift their coloration. So maybe Jermaine prefers remaining green versus blue or anything like that. Bodies coated with rough leathery scales and normally possessed a grayish brown skin tone, although they had the chameleon-like ability to change their coloration. Uh, lizard-like heads. Yeah, so- and, and this yeah, one's hey, a little on the taller so side, cool. six foot. Okay, uh, and he and he's he's eaten his fair share. So the average poundage is about one fifty, but he's up towards two twenty. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. So- Kind of rocking a, a dad bod. I yeah, he's suppose. got a little bit of a dad bod going on. <laughs> okay, very cool. Are we imagining him in one of these underdark, sort of like subterranean type civilization areas? Or is he above ground uh, since he's adopting the sunglasses kind of thing? Or, or what are you imagining? He's an interesting cartographer because he's not really caught up with the times. But that's okay because he's the greatest. So he's underground he, he, and he makes his maps on, on cave walls. Oh, interesting. And so, yeah. And so you, he, he will walk people through the cave walls and show them everything you need to know. And he'll answer any question they have. And he explains it with such great detail. And his, it's so beautiful that it, they see it for a few minutes. They understand it and they leave. Yeah. So he's underground and he's doing this on, uh, in, in a cave. Interesting. Okay. So he's actually using the natural landscape around him to actually make these maps so he's not having to transcribe them on parchment or vellum or anything like that he's just like oh let me walk you over to the wall and oh you're asking about this part of the cave system well you'll see this is how it's all diagrammed out and stuff yes 100 and this and this is a massive cave system so he's got maps from all over the world uh wow. everywhere he's well traveled yeah and so you know similar to similar to he's just kind of old school like mm-hmm. a grandpa who refuses to use google maps <laughs> you know okay 
Yeah, these kids come in with their books and their charts and their, you know, charcoal pencils. It's like, ah, I just need, just give me a good wall and I can do it. 100%. If you had to describe Jermaine with three adjectives, what three adjectives would you use? Oh, wow. Three adjectives. He is, he's bold. Okay, he's bold, like a Viking. He's, he's going to be himself. He, because of his experience, he doesn't care. He, he doesn't care too much about how he treats people because he's an expert. Nobody knows, nobody knows maps like he does. Mm. So he'll be very bold. He'll tell people if they stink, uh, if, they, if he doesn't like their outfit, if he doesn't like their accent. But he's also, uh, he's hilarious. He's hilarious. He can make anybody laugh. The most serious person in the room. He's making them laugh for sure. And he is, he's also wholesome. Oh, wholesome. you know, yeah, he's wholesome. He'll, t- he'll tell it like it is, but he does so in a way that is relatable. You know what I mean? So in his boldness, he's wholesome. He'll say he can insult you and you might say thank you. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. If you're taking the steady state of the lore as it is, where troglodytes are viewed as kind of like these very savage, barbaric, a constant struggle to survive in the Underdark, and the fact that Jermaine has been able to make it, you know, as this cartographer, this map doodler on cave walls and stuff like that, and incorporated into civilizations and stuff like that, I wonder how that kind of speaks to his character or his upbringing or how he views himself and how he thinks people you know, think of him and stuff. Well, he's wise beyond his years, you know, uh, he, he's seen a lot. He's seen a lot of devastation. He's seen a lot of war. He's seen a lot of violence and he doesn't, he doesn't want any part of that. Uh, so he's kind of doing his own thing and he doesn't have a lot of friends, a lot of people that like him, but nobody close. All right. Well, now we get to go back to some dice rolling. The next question we have to ask ourselves is what's a valuable item, a piece of lore, a secret, or an ideal or concept that this character subscribes to. So, The first thing we get to roll for is the category. So you'll want to roll a D4 for that. That is a two. Two. Okay. So this is a piece of lore. And now you'll want to roll a D6 or like a regular dice. Four. Four. Okay. Your answer was provided by our Patreon patron, Goblin Katie. You have a strong understanding of the gods and their domains. So as we were kind of discussing that uh, Jermaine is wise, you know, he's an elder, obviously, by troglodyte standards. But what do you think this means uh, in particular for Jermaine? Is he having this strong understanding of the gods and their domains specifically for the Underdark that would be most familiar with these cultures in the area that he's in? Or is he just very learned and stuff like that as far as all the gods and their domains? I'm going to say all of it because he's seen, he's seen war for most of his life. Is he a very particularly religious person himself? He's, he's not because he's been burned before. He believes in, in multiple gods, but does not like any of them. Yeah. He thinks that they're all greedy, but he, but he does, he has, he's conversated with them before they try to continue to get his wisdom. Listen, no people want him on their side, mm-hmm. but he refuses to, to make friends. He just wants to be doing his own thing, selling maps. Uh, but he gets courted often. By, by different gods and by different people to try to say, hey, we need your help. You're, you're an expert. You know this land more than anyone. How can we do these things? How can we invade? And he wants to know part of it. 
you know, I know he makes his maps primarily on the walls, but to learn or have this knowledge of the gods and their domains and stuff like that, does he have a really rich library as well that he kind of keeps? You think? Uh, he does, but it's it's everything that he's written. Oh, everything he's written. So it's yeah, all from so his perspective. It's all from him. It's all him. It's all him, dude. It's all him. It's like uh, like King Alfred in the Viking uh, show that I'm watching right now, who is right, who wrote down everything so that someday someone might be able to learn about what actually happened. That's what he's doing. Okay. And he was taught. He was taught how to write by his grandfather. Mm. Yeah. Okay. His his grandfather, one of the only troglodytes uh, that knew how to read and write. What's going to be a particular quest that Jermaine would be willing to recruit or hire player characters to go and do? If you'd like to roll for that randomly, you'll get that last dice in the set, which is a D12. Or unless you're inspired, you can just kind of wing it and kind of come up with your own side quest that you think Jermaine would be willing to offer up. I misspoke earlier. He's familiar with all gods but one. Oh. Yeah. Being that he lives underground, he's used to the cold uh, and the dark. Uh, he's not a fan of the hot, hot heat. He doesn't get along with the sun god, as it were, and refuses okay. to, to travel to where you can visit the sun god. And so the side quest is to go and to map out what it looks like in the territory where the sun god resides, because Jermaine refuses to go there on his own. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, he so wants and he's got one there. wall mm -hmm. in his cave where there is no map. Oh, purposefully yeah. left blank because he's, he refuses to go there. And the side quest is to make sure that that last cave wall can be painted with where the sun god is and the map of that area. Interesting. Okay. So whether that means that's like an island or like just a particular section of the continent or something like that, just like a, a gap in the map. And so yeah, he needs a gap you to in the map. And it is an island because he doesn't know how to swim. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. If you're underground, you don't really get that much experience with the uh, oceans, maybe like with vast underground lakes or something like that, but, but not oceans, I suppose. Totally. If this is the side quest, then we obviously have to reward our players for undertaking this mission. So what's going to be the reward for the player characters? Should they successfully map it out and then bring the findings back to Jermaine to ascribe on the wall? Mm. You would get Jermaine's ever-prized possession of his golden cane. Oh, so his cane is made of gold, like solid well, gold? No, he's got two canes. He uses oh, a wooden two. cane, okay. but he has a golden cane that he uses as a weapon when necessary. He doesn't like to fight, but he can if he needs to. Okay. And this golden cane mm -hmm. will uh, give people confidence when they hold it and also serves as a like a lightsaber. Oh, interesting. But it's okay. a golden cane. It's not a lightsaber, but it works like a lightsaber very weirdly. Okay. So it like emanates a light whenever you go to it, like, you know, attack with it and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. So it's probably, it's got magical properties to it. Then. It has, yeah. And no one can really understand it. Even, uh, even Jermaine doesn't really understand it. Oh, interesting. Uh, but he knows that it's valuable and that people would, would be able to use it and would complete the side quest for it. And okay. he, uh, he has a person that he got it from where he can go back to and get it another one uh, should he need to. And then also to consider the opposite, what's going to be the consequence of failure or refusing the call to the adventure at all? What's going to be the consequence of that? The consequence of not being able to go and find, uh, not to be able to do the side quest? Exactly. Yeah. You know, just refusing it outright. Okay. There's going to be a reaction to that. But then what happens if you fail? Like you go there and you just never draw the map or you forget to return to him. You give him a false map or something like that. What's... You know, Ooh. what's going to be the consequence of that? 
So, the, okay, the consequence of, of saying no to the challenge in general is just that you no longer have access to any of the maps in the cave and he banishes you from the area. Whoa, okay. Uh, oh, yeah, but the consequence for failure, for accepting the challenge and failing or returning and lying mm-hmm. about it and giving a false map is that you will be made to use a wooden cane for the rest of your life. He will break your kneecaps. <laughs> Okay, so he's going to attack the party. <laughs> he's he's attacking the yeah, one hundred percent. And this guy, he knows how to fight. He doesn't like to, but he he will if he needs to. Okay, so it's a proper boss battle. Then you're having to fight this guy with his magic cane and whatever exactly. tricks and stuff that he has that's going to help him out. That's right. All right. Well, we've rolled the dice. We made a completely random NPC, and now I think it's time we throw that random NPC into a segment that I like to call the random encounter. This random encounter is brought to you by Reaper Miniatures. They have been Texas Titans of the tabletop industry since 1994. They're right here in DFW, and they have an amazing warehouse and game store. They make everything from paints to gaming accessories, and they stream on Twitch and YouTube with tutorials and interviews. Whatever system you're running, whatever game you're playing, Reaper has a mini for you. Every time you shop with them, spend at least $40, $50 on your purchase. They're going to give you a cool new mini of the month. And it's always something new, so all the more incentive to check back often. I was recently giving another gift card from Reaper Miniatures, so thank you very much. Uh, Please, if you haven't heard by now at this point, go to Reaper's site so you can get that Kenku Bard Bird character that's based off the National Bird of Ukraine. Your purchase of that uh, mini ensures that at least $7.50 from every purchase of it gets allocated towards UNICEF relief efforts in Ukraine. As well, Reaper Miniatures Bone 6 Tales from the Green Griffin uh, has concluded on Kickstarter, but I think you can still get involved with the backer kit stuff and uh, check out all the cool new minis that are being developed. If you visit my website or check the show notes below, you can use that link to support Psychics and SideQuests whenever you head on over to Reaper Miniatures. Doing so tracks the traffic, so the more traffic, the more that our powers combine. So again, go check that link below, help support the podcast, and be sure to follow Reaper Miniatures on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube. All right, and so this is the section of the show where we get to do a little bit of role play, a little vignette, a little scene. This is basically where we get to play D&D for like five minutes. So it kind of gives you that taste of what to expect whenever you yourself are playing Dungeons and Dragons. And so since you rolled the dice to create Jermaine, it's only fitting that you should be Jermaine in the scene. But the question I have is, who am I in the scene? Am I going to be one of my podcast characters that's going to meet Jermaine to then get the quest to go chart out the island of the sun god? Or am I another community member? Am I a rival? Or who do you think that I am in the scene? Let's do the let's do the side quest. That sounds fun. Okay, all right. So I'm going to be one of the podcast characters. We have four established characters already made, unless you feel like we need a different character. But we have Duncan, who is the recklessly brave, happy-go-lucky adventurer for hire. We have Sonia, who is the warrior woman. She started off as a barbarian, and she multiclassed into paladin. We have Korak, who is the lawful evil, arcane trickster rogue thief-type dwarf character. And then we have Chrisley, who is the shy herbalist, botanist, wood elf, druid, who recently multiclassed into cleric. And if none of those sound interesting, we can totally make up a brand new character here on the spot. Did you say multiclass into cleric? Yes. So a druid cleric. Let's go with Duncan. I like Duncan. Duncan reminds me of me. 
So after Duncan successfully returned from the Forgotten Realms back into the Prime Material Universe from the Multiverse podcast, he returned to our podcast universe. He was in the Forgotten Realms. Now he's back. And he appeared in the office of Professor Hank, who asked him to go down to the university basement and kill the rats. So that way they didn't chew up all the lovely archives of poetry. And after he did that, he left and he got his bearings and he's back on the road. He's in familiar territory and he's happy about that. And soon he decides to take that detour and, you know, he remembers the community where he met Israd and Mara the Great and all that. And he was like, oh, you know what? There was that other town just a little bit further down the road in the Underdark. So I feel something in my heart telling me to go that way. So he decides to kind of take a detour and he goes down into the Underdark and he's in a new community of the Underdark that he's never been to before. And he's scratching his head and he's like, well, you know, this is all rather new to me and I don't, I don't quite know where exactly I should head. You know, he looks around, he starts asking people like, hey, where am I going to go find a map? And they all point to this cave. You know, it's like a business or I don't know, maybe you have a description of what you think the residence, the business, the dwelling of where Jermaine lives. You know, where would Duncan find himself as he's asking around trying to find where's the best map maker in this town? Yeah, it's a, it actually looks like a man-made cave uh, because it's right into the bottom of a mountain that has a little arch as people walk in. And so, okay, so Jermaine, so Jermaine is, is there and, uh, and his really, I mean, his goal is to uh, be able to map out the entire world. That is, he wants to be the first troglodyte to complete his life's mission. And his life's mission is to do that. Uh, he, and so he's, he's hoping that people will join him and the side quest to figure out uh, what's going on with the one place that he refuses to go. Okay. And it's so- dark in there. He's going to need a flashlight or a flame, uh, a torch yeah. uh, of some kind so he can see. Uh, and he's got to make sure not to put that into Jermaine's eyes because he's got his sunglasses on, but there's one of them's broken on the left side. Uh, so you just got to be careful with Jermaine. So Duncan's asked around this community, think like Fraggle Rock or subterranean. And so you can imagine there's like dwellings and stuff like that. But people point him towards this cave that seems to lead further into the natural mountain structure. And so Duncan looks and it's like, oh, it actually is really dark. So he has to pull out a torch and he lights the torch. He starts heading in and he looks around. What are some of the maps that Duncan seen? Maybe he's not immediately getting the attention of Jermaine, but he's looking around and he could just see like, what exactly does he see in these maps? Yeah, he's seeing, he's seeing wildly detailed maps in general with lots of different color. He's wondering why, how uh, Jermaine was able to have, have all this different color on the walls of this cave and how detailed everything is. Uh, he's, he's seeing towns and, and places that he's in terrains that he's familiar with, uh, but also he's seeing things that he's never seen before. Uh, he's noticing that the area he's in is much larger than he realized and wonders that how traveled Jermaine must be. Uh, maybe thinks there's a lot of people working for Jermaine because these maps are, are that detailed and they're covered from the top to the bottom of these cave walls. Uh, and he's just going up and down and looking and noticing all these different colors and how detailed it is. And uh, just is, is kind of wondering what Jermaine is going to look like. And I'm imagining he's doing this and, you know, there's like the whistling of wind going through the cave. He can hear dripping water. Duncan is just amazed. He's uh, dumbfounded and he'll just kind of like out loud, kind of let out a whistle of impressment, uh, of being impressed. He just says aloud. And so it echoes, of course, he's just like, Truly, the map maker who, who makes these maps is, is 
the master that you know has, has no equal he says and he just kind of is looking around and, he, and you know and he's thinking like it's been it's real i've been here for a while and i haven't heard anyone so he'll just kind of say absentmindedly like jermaine jermaine is jermaine is the name of the, the cartographer here in town hello and you know it'll echo off and he's just wondering how deep and far back uh, this room this cave actually goes and so he's just kind of looking around waiting to see if someone will answer him yeah and then and and the, then what's what's crazy is that he turns around because he thinks that he feels breathing on on his back and he thinks he heard what might sound like a rock falling in this cave which would be a very normal sound to hear but in fact it is the wooden cane that Jermaine uses mm. and he's behind him <laughs> and <laughs> very old greg style <laughs> what you doing in these waters you know kind of a thing there and okay. he's like how can i help you oh 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 sorry forgive me yes hi hi hello my name is duncan and i'm told you're the finest cartographer map maker in these parts am i correct you are correct wonderful i could be better oh you could be but well it's always good to be seeking improvement constantly Pursuit of perfection is the noble cause. You have seen all of these walls. Yes, very, very. Look, look left. It, okay. Get closer. He will approach closer. This is the only area that is not mapped out. Yes, Duncan will roll a perception check. Fairly easy to tell as he's looking around. And yeah, and he's like, oh, yeah, that is weird. This is one blank wall. Part of the wall. Yeah, that's... Why is this part blank? It's the one place that I could never go. Could never go? How do you mean? I've been everywhere. As you can see, my amazing sunglasses look great on me. One is, one is missing, but it works well. I cannot see where the sun god lives, and I cannot go there, but I must finish. My life's quest is to finish these maps on these walls. A noble profession. Indeed. But your skin is too fair. Yes, admittedly it is. Well, I mean... You know, Duncan will look at his equipment and stuff and be like, you know, I, I spend a fair amount of time up on the, the surface and, you know, under the, under the sun. Uh, it's rising, it's setting, and all that good. But, oh, okay, yeah, the island, the island of the sun god. Duncan will roll a religion check, and uh, we'll say he kind of does middle of the road, so inconclusively, but he says, I might have to do some research to figure out where this sun god is unless, unless you know. You know where this place is? I know you have to walk south. Perhaps get over some water with a boat or swimming. I dare not touch the water. And you go south until you can't anymore. The heat, the heat will blind you and you will have to cover up so that you do not get burned or fried. Okay, good to know, good to know, okay. And so you need help with this map. And I, well, I felt a pull to come here because of this, this part of the underground was unfamiliar with me. So, so certainly, um, you know, I'm happy to procure a map of this area, but, you know, it is my fatal flaw that I cannot refuse a quest, a task put before me, so by the gods, yes. Yes, I will accept your quest. I will accept your mission. And so Duncan will um, approach Jermaine, holding out his hand for a handshake. He's not sure if Jermaine is familiar with this custom or not. Jermaine is, is familiar with the custom, but dislikes the custom. Ah. So Jermaine instead does the 
the slap of the hand, the fist bump, and then a one-two, uh, kind of a little bit of a weird handshake. And Duncan is awkwardly trying to follow along, but he's just not getting it. So 100%. He's, like, he's also popped one of Jermaine's warts, which was quite painful. Oh, 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 I'm so sorry. Oh. <laughs> he'll reach in his pouch and he'll procure a healing potion. He'll be like, uh, this is a basic healing potion. Won't offset me that much, but here, I think it'll do more good for you than me at the moment. Perfect. And Jermaine is now wondering if he's made his first ever friend, but he refuses for now. And so then I suppose after getting some more details of where to go to find this island, getting the details of the local area that Duncan was hoping to get to then unlock potential other points of exploration here in the Underdark, he'll be like, all right, I'm off. I'll go back to the surface and I'll start heading south until the sun blinds me. Perfect. And scene. Hey, that was fun. Yeah, so there you go. What do you think of the random encounter and getting? Is that actually D&D? that's actually how D and D goes? Yeah, I mean there actually is. You know there'll be calls uh, for dice rolls. Obviously, combat is its own thing, but yeah, that's basically D and D in a nutshell. And so what what does the forgive me for I don't know if this is part of the podcast. We'll yeah. ask questions or not. It's final um, thoughts. So yeah, you've got thoughts. So tell what do you me. what do you what do you call the person the dungeon master? The dungeon master is kind of like the referee, the adjudicator. Are you are you one of, are you a dungeon master? I am a dungeon master. I mean, and so I, will you like in that scenario? Mm-hmm. Is it my character Jermaine and your character Duncan interacting, or is it the dungeon master who like are is, is every character played by a person, and the dungeon master is just kind of the ref? I see. No, that's a very good question. So you know what typically- I mean, is the dungeon master creating the story? Is what I'm asking. I guess. Well, I mean, certainly the dungeon master might have like a very good chunk of the lore of the story of the setting kind of all put together. But really, a good dungeon master will ask his players for like, hey, give me your character backstory or let me know kind of what are the goals and ambitions of your characters. Then that way I can weave that into the story and put, you know, seeds and plot hooks and stuff like that throughout the world. So then as your characters are naturally progressing and interacting with the world, they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. there's a rumor of of a treasure well then hey guys i think we need you know this this thing with uh, rats in the basement that could worry there's treasure over here we need to go after that so then that you know gotcha can can lead on the adventure but typically the dungeon master will control the non-player characters so like if we were using jermaine in a game and you were a different player character you know, you might be an adventurer. You might be like a Duncan figure. And then I would have controlled Jermaine and I gotcha. would have been role playing, trying to tell you like, oh, hey, I'm a famous map maker and, you know, oh, this one blank spot. And if I could just get it, my life's work would be complete. And then I could still interact with you as a shopkeeper, merchant kind of person and get you whatever knowledge or maps you needed. Uh, but then if you accept my side quest and then complete it, you come back, you get your reward, yada, yada, yada. So cool. kind of like the JRPGs that you may be familiar with, but it's old school. It's analog technology. Uh, well, nowadays it's digital because you can use virtual tabletops and digital apps and programs and stuff like that to run it. But otherwise, I mean, really, you just need a group of friends, some paper, some pencil, some dice and uh, your imaginations, really. So, yeah. Cool. I'm surprised how much I, I always kind of in the last few years as I'm getting to know some really good friends of mine uh, who are who love this and do it often. I'm like, OK, I probably would enjoy it, but I'm surprised at how fun that kind of was. And, and I if I hung out with you one more time, I probably would get into some weird accent fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, this is cool. Yeah, for sure. 
So yeah, no. So this is final thoughts. So, you know, we, we like to ask our guests, you know, what do they think of their experience? Any other feedback or, or critiques or anything like that? Certainly I, I appreciate them. I mean, I think you do a great job. Is it, is the larger D and D community at large, is it open to new people? Is this oh, something yeah. that, you know what I mean? Like, is it like a, Oh, let's teach this person. And they're more like, you know what I mean? Or are they more like a league of legends where the most like toxic community on the planet? Oh, okay. You know what well, I mean? Like there are, there are communities that are like hard to enter. Sure. Sure. I mean, I like to remain optimistic. I will say that, you know, certainly within the tabletop gaming or D and D communities, yes, you're going to have your grognards. You know, those are the old veterans of the hobby. They've been around since like the seventies and stuff like that. And they may be set in their ways and, you know, they may not like change or other, you know, ideas or flavors that come into D and D, which is fine. You know, if they want to play the game their way, they are more than welcome to. But on the whole, I would say the D&D community is meant to be very open and accepting of new people. Of course, you know, with shows like Critical Role or these other actual play podcasts that exist, you know, they're all inspiring people to enter into the hobby, introduce uh, new people, new ideas, new concepts, new, you know, just new, making it interesting and, and fun for people. And so, yes, while there are maybe individuals who have to be reminded of like, hey, this is a game and, uh, you know, we're here to have fun and have fun with our friends and make friends and have community. And, you know, maybe this game isn't your game. That's okay. You know, maybe this table isn't your table. Maybe you don't gel with this group. That's completely fine. Maybe you need another game. Maybe you need another table. It's it's open, I would say. So cool. I would I would hope that would be encouraging to you and not discouraging of like, oh, if I if I go into this, I'm gonna get, you know, oh, I'm gonna I'm just gonna get the tar beaten out of me or something. Sure, sure. No, I think no, you answered it perfectly. And then how does the game end? How do, how does a normal game you know what I mean? Like in, in a in an RPG that I'm familiar with, there's uh there's a bunch of side quests, of course, but then there's an end game. You've beaten the boss, you've done yeah. what you had to do. How does a, a normal game end in D D? That's a great question. I think the best dungeon masters like to follow the example of a uh, of, of cliffhanger from a television show of your maybe you know Dragon Ball Z kind of will the heroes you know like a pulp adventure like you know a story of like will the heroes traverse the rickety bridge over the gorge? Will they sure. be able to get the treasure? Are they going to rescue the blacksmith's daughter? Is the one player going to admit to the other player that they? took the cursed magic item for their bag. Who knows next time on Dragon Ball Z. And so then the next time you gather, you just kind of pick up the story of like, okay, well, this is what we were doing last time and we're back into the action. Some people hope that their D&D games never end, but of course we all have human needs. So it is important to make sure you get up and stretch your legs and drink <laughs> water, maybe eat some Funyuns and stuff like that. And then, uh, yeah, you, you play for a couple of hours and then you're like, okay, cool. We've reached a good stopping point, a good cliffhanger. Okay, we'll, we'll pause the game there and then we'll pick it up next time. And then everyone, you know, can decompress and be like, oh my gosh, that was so much fun. I can't, oh, did you hear what, ha did you see what that character did? Oh, I, I got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everyone talks and gets yeah. giddy and excited. And they're already, they're already planning and scheming for the next time when they're back at the table. You're getting me, you're getting me kind of uh, intrigued. Yeah. This is but cool. For the very final thing, I always like to give the microphone, the platform, the stage, the soapbox to my guests. So anything you got to plug, whether it's, uh, you know, socials and, you know, all that stuff or, or websites or causes or projects lay it on us, uh, and go. Yeah. Um, I mean, if people beardedblevins.com, all one word, uh, to find all my socials in our Twitch stream, we're live, uh, all, all the time. 
and uh, it, we, we talked to the chat. So I'd love to talk to people about D&D and hear their thoughts on our character. Uh, that would be a ton of fun. Donate all of your money, all of it, every one of you, every cent to to the Franciscan Sisters of the Eucharist in uh, downtown Chicago who are serving the poorest of the poor that I know of. And that's that's my plug. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, change the world. Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan, thank you so much for your time. Love having you want to have you back. So that way I can get the progress report and figure out, you know, just how many murder hobo characters you've been before you finally settled on like, (laughs) okay, this is my real character. I've invested a lot of time and energy and you know, this character is here to stay. We have to understand I am the most loyal person I've ever met in my entire life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Born in Detroit, lived there for six years. So I'm diehard Detroit everything, even though I was only six when I left. Um, I Jermaine is it for me? Oh, you're gonna take Jermaine. I'm Jermaine forever. Why would I create someone else? I, I, I'm Jermaine. I'm gonna make some different, some changes like that aren't dice related, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, to Jermaine and maybe even change his name, although I kind of like it. But I, I have a feeling you're gonna be seeing some more of Jermaine. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast, or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, sidekicksandsidequests.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for SideKQ Podcast. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art, stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you would like to hail the bod, simply send an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes to help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, or you've never played Dungeons and Dragons before, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. And finally, after two years, I've decided to open a Patreon for Sidekicks and Sidequests. If you love this podcast and you want to help us grow and expand our operations, I would appreciate it if you would go on over to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and side quests. No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. Your name on the wall of the levitating platter, a loud hurrah on the podcast, or the possibility to introduce an element of chance to NPC creation. Sidekicks and Sidequests is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four! Oh! Sidekicks and Sidequests.